In this episode, I interviewed a LinkedIn legend, Chris Walker from Refine Labs and Passetto, and we talked about what he's building next. We also talked demand gen, GTM, and going really in depth in marketing and sales alignment. There was a lot covered here in just a short interview. So let's dive right into the episode. If, if you wouldn't mind, what, what's interesting to you right now? What are you most focused on? I know that you just kind of had a shift to working on a new business. Uh, most people know you for Refine Labs. You kind of moved on working in two things now, but what's interesting to you right now? Yeah, and uh, I think it's interesting because uh, where where I find the most interest in my like the professional endeavors that I have, um, it comes directly from the market. The market is surfacing an unmet need, a, lar a problem in the business that is expensive to solve. You see the pattern of a lot of CMOs and CROs, CFOs, even executives that don't have the right data to make decisions. You see the trends in terms of sales quota attainment. You see the trends in CMO tenure. You see the trends in VP of sales or head CRO uh, tenure, which is down under two years now. And you just look and say, this system is broken. The, the, the system is broken. Um, and a lot of companies are recognizing the same thing. There are a lot of people trying to solve the, the, the core issue in terms of how do we think instead of about siloed departments between marketing and even sub-segmenting marketing into paid and organic and events and sub-marketing and then SDRs and sales and CS and AM. And how do we think about this instead of siloed departments as a holistic uh, go-to-market unit, go-to-market team? Um, and part of that is analytics. Part of that is an operating model and a mental model for how executives think. Part of that is, okay, now that we've collected that data, how do we then look at it and interpret it and make decisions and get aligned? And how do we monitor those investments? And then how do we adjust performance over time? And what is the right frequency to do that? And how are we going to report to the board? And how are we going to understand whether if we have $5 million to invest in growth next year, whether what percentage should go to SDRs, marketing, sales, maybe all of it should go into one, maybe one of that. Just how do you, how do you uh, like overall make those decisions as a go holistic go-to-market team rather than silo departments, I think is a incredibly interesting issue. And like I said, surfaced from the market directly with just a lot of executives having the same issue, but not really understanding what is the root cause of this issue. So what I've been really good at in my career is being able to actually reverse engineer through the patterns of seeing a lot of different companies and talking with a lot of really smart people and to be able to get the pattern that they don't see because they only see it in their business. I see it in 25 businesses in a row in three months to see the pattern and then start to understand, okay, what is the root cause? And then start working toward, okay, so what is the solution to this? Um, and that's what I did at Refine Labs in terms of transitioning companies from lead gen to demand gen. And in 2019, when I started talking about that, most people rejected the premise that thought I was wrong as I challenged the current best practice. And now, five years later, people see, you know, the lead gen to demand gen transition as, as they're obligated to do it. They must do it to continue to run an effective marketing department. Um, and now I'm in the same position where I'm challenging the current state of how companies run their analytics in siloed departments and thinking about it as a holistic go-to-market team and how the fundamental shift in how you look at the data just dramatically changes how you think about growth. Um, and so that's what, uh, that's what I'm working on in my new company, Paseto. I continue to be the executive chairman at Refine Labs, focused on long-term planning, M&A strategy, business development, and other core things that I think that I, I can really provide. Uh, I remain also a, a significant shareholder in Refine Labs and am very invested in the future success of that company. So I know that with Passetto, you, you've been working on this in stealth. This is not something that's totally net new. You've already been working on it. So given that you've had months of 
helping companies with GTM from various perspectives now. You talk about challenging the system. Well, coming into this after the past few months of working with these clients, what is fundamentally broken that you're seeing? What are the common issues, problems that maybe excited you in the first place to start solving this? The mental model that executives use and what they've been trained to look at about, okay, how do these departments work? What should the core KPIs of these departments be? And then how should I allocate and scrutinize the investments between these departments was built in a place where you looked at each individual department in a silo and fundamentally breaks when you look at it as a holistic engine. Um, companies will track their SDR performance, their sales performance, their marketing performance, all in different ways. They're all looking at different data. You bring that data together and it doesn't make sense because it's conflicting and overlapping and duplicating. Um, and so what they get left with is, oh, okay, well, every department creates their own analytics. And then based on those analytics, it looks like every department is working and should get more budget. So I get, and meanwhile, business results are flat or declining. And so you have department level analytics that say all the things that we're doing are working. And then when you look at it holistically at a business level, you say, well, it doesn't look like the, the, all these things can be working because our business is flat or declining. Um, and so I think that is generally the, the, the core issue here um, that companies run into. And then what happens downstream from that? So that's the actual core issue. And then what happens downstream from that is how the data is collected and then how the data is analyzed and how the data leads to the decisions that you make as an executive. Um, all of that stuff downstream gets built off of the siloed departments. So I think we have to rebuild the foundation and then build a new way to collect the data. What data should we collect? How are we going to analyze it? How do we make decisions against it? So now you have you have two companies that are in the B2B space, um, not, not competing with each other whatsoever, but actually on, on the opposite, curious how you feel about these complementing each other and, and weaving into each other over time. Yeah, we see these as highly complementary, and um, uh, as of yesterday, we'll announce it later. But I made made an investment and I'm a limited partner in a third company that serves the B two B go to market space. So that'll be forthcoming in an announcement. Um, but think about Paceto as the brain. We're gonna look at all the data. We're gonna think about and figure out how do we make big strategic decisions around what those things should do. And then downstream, if one of those strategic decisions is we need to fundamentally shift our digital demand strategy then we have the solution to then go and refine labs and really up-level that, which is a common thing that companies are doing. A lot of companies are betting on digital in 2024 that have been over-invested in events for years. Um, and then if companies are saying, we're going to bet on an organic strategy because our ACV, ACV is 3K and we can't afford that level of advertising, then we're going to have a organic content production and potentially an SEO agency that we could then refer out. Or perhaps it's a partner strategy or an event strategy and have executional partners that then can go take our core strategic recommendations then help companies put them into practice with a leading uh, a leading service in that space. Um, and so the objective is to sort of build an ecosystem where all these companies are operating on the same methodology, the same analytics, the core like level of thinking, and all serve specific segments and, and things that companies need help in executing in the go-to-market. Paceto is not an executional firm. Uh, we look at data, we build software on how to look at, at that data more effectively and more consistently, and we help executives make decisions about what they're going to do and how they're going to allocate budget. And then when they get downstream to execution, we're then going to monitor that performance, but we're going to you know, refer out the execution to other partners, which is an incredibly common consulting model. You think about McKinsey and other companies like that. They don't have an agency inside of them for a reason. Um, and so that's the, that's the distinction with Paceto. Yeah, on, on the strategy side, since you, you mentioned this is not an execution-based firm, whereas Refine Labs might be more of that, when you're talking strategy, companies coming to you, 
you've probably seen your fair share of really poorly constructed strategies or, or things that they call a strategy that aren't that at all. I'm just curious, what, if we zoom out, just according to you as a B2B guy, what does a strategy actually look like for for marketing? Like, what are the elements that have to go into this to actually make it a strategy? Because a lot of times I think we just focus on, oh, I got to be on that channel. That's my strategy, but that, that's probably not comprehensive. Dan, just to clarify my observation, like at the business strategy level, less than sub 10 million ARR, you see a lot of companies that are either lacking a strategy or lacking the right, the, the right strategy that's leading them in the wrong direction. But as companies get more mature, they have incredibly smart people, experienced executives, you know, very experienced private equity or, you know, those types of firms that are to help guide those decisions and then putting processes in place. So companies that are then more mature and trying to go from 50 million to 500 million or 100 million to a billion, um, those companies typically have a great strategy in place in terms of the overall business strategy. Um, and then the the place in where it breaks down is actually, okay, so if we're going to target this segment and we're going to build this product and we're going to make this acquisition and we're going to, then this is what we're going to build as a company, then how are we going to get customers to know about them? How are we going to close them and, and get customers in a cost-efficient way so our CAC to LTV makes sense? How are we going to, like most of the companies at 100 million ARR don't have a big retention problem. You don't get that far if you have a retention problem. Um, and so it's more like to me, if you really isolate it down to the company's growth, if you have positive NRR, you're going to continue to make traction on that through product development, CS and AM and things like that. But the main lever for growth is how do we get more customers for less money? Or how do we get way more customers for the same amount of money? Or how do we get way, way more customers and spend more money? Um, and so I, that's, that's a core area where, I, where I'm focused with the core assumption that companies have NRR unlocked. Sure, you need to track it. Sure, you need to do things. But um, and we look at expansion revenue a lot and a lot of marketing teams are being instructed to shift a lot of revenue, a, a lot of investments toward expansion. And I, we can debate that topic at another time. Um, so we're, we're looking at all of that data, but I think in t uh, where like the core differentiation is we have an incredibly specialized granular model to understand how we acquiring new customers and the $50 million or more that we spend on sales, marketing, SDRs, programs, headcount, ops, technology, all that money that we spend every year to go and get more customers, how do we make way? How do we make that fifty million dollars have such a bigger impact? That's a fuckload of money, um, and so that I think that that's the the area that we're focused on right now. We'll continue to move downstream into expansion and understand the whole customer life cycle and revenue cycle as well. Yeah, I, I was watching. I saw one of your posts. See, I think like a week or so ago, and you were talking about um, there's this problem where. It just is the same over and over and over again. Um, it's the same old thing. Companies not aligning sales and marketing the right way. It's, it was the same 10 years ago. It's the same today. On the flip side of that, when you're looking back, at, you've spent uh, a good chunk of, of your time um, every single day for the past decade plus or however long in demand gen, in GTM now, doing all these things. What are the differences between that time period? If you're looking back to 2012, for example, What's totally different now compared to where it is for marketing and sales teams? The core difference that's changed over the past 10 years is the rapid and rapid maturity and evolution of the internet. Um, in 2012, as a B2B buyer, sure, maybe you went to Google and looked for things, but companies didn't invest in their website. They didn't have a ton of information on there. There weren't third-party review sites for the most part. 
You didn't have a community that you could go to. You couldn't DM someone on LinkedIn or like people didn't use the product that way. You weren't consuming content on LinkedIn. You weren't listening to podcasts. And so the way that a, a consumer, a B2B or B2C professional, a human, uh, gets information, consumes content, makes buying decisions, decides how they want to prioritize the things in their life, how they get motivated and inspired, how they, all the things that we do as humans have fundamentally changed through the scale of the internet. Um, and what the internet really did was allow us to access our peers. And it, it started to put pressure on companies holding all the information for themselves where third parties would then say, okay, if the company's not going to give you the pricing, if the company's not going to tell you the customers that are having success with them, then we'll be a third party and we'll create that data and we'll make the margin in the middle for the company not taking advantage of that. When there's an inefficiency in the market for customers and there's an opportunity, somebody will exploit that and, ma and make money. Review sites have done that. Um, and it's, it's a great, it's an amazing business strategy. Um, and so just it's that fundamental thing. And B2B companies have built their me mental models and their tracking and their analytics around a time where all you did was you get a lead, you work the lead and you try and close the lead. Um, and using digital tracking technology, the lead and the contact object inside of Salesforce, the assembly line methodology where we measure the effectiveness of marketing, getting leads in a silo. Then we measure the effectiveness of SDRs, getting meetings out of those leads in a silo. Then we think about sales, closing those leads in a silo. And when you look at it holistically, you say, wow, there's so many opportunities to improve this process just by listening to customers and looking at the data and trying to think about how do we make holistic changes to make the whole engine better rather than trying to get our cost per lead in marketing from $151 to $148 or how to get our SDRs to convert instead of 0.7% of leads that they get 1.2% of leads. And there's just a ton of micro optimization in the, in the system where those types of optimizations they do have tangible value. Like I, you can put it in a model, you change that from 0.7% to 1.2%. It is going to generate a tangible value. The problem is that if you rethought the system, you might get it from 0.7% to 7%. And you'd make a macro shift in your overall business and growth trajectory instead of spending all this money and time making micro adjustments to a, a inefficient and what I would think about as a, a potentially broken system. Um, and so, yeah, that's something that some of the things that I see. While we're on that, can you, if you can, that's okay. But can you think of an example where one of these macro changes actually happened with a client that you were working with? Um, a common, a common one that comes up and it surprises me because it's like such an obvious thing, but many companies for whatever reason, just don't either, they don't look at the data this way, or they just, uh, they don't prioritize it for some reason. I'm not sure, but I'll just spell it out clearly. Like we'll go in and we break down, we basically split out instead of looking at all quote unquote MQLs from marketing or all the outbound source, we start to look at the entire go to market. And then we look at it from the buyer's perspective instead of the company's perspective. So it doesn't matter whether marketing or SDRs or sales sourced it. We're looking at what did the buyer do that triggered our sales team to take action? And then what was the outcome of that action? Um, and so one of the core things is like companies will have like They'll, they'll say that they do like website conversion optimization and things like that. But there's a big process in terms of the conversion on the form of someone that says, hey, I want to buy now that's qualified from them getting into a, a meeting, a qualified pipeline and close one revenue. And if you just look at that process, you can look and say, OK, like this company is currently converting 1.3% of demo requests into qualified pipeline. And we can say, go back in our benchmarks and we can say, okay, on average, a company is going to have somewhere between five and 8% conversion rate or a high performer will have a five to 8% conversion rate on that. That's specific conversion. Okay. 
So if we took that from 1.3 to five, that could get us 3X more pipeline without any additional spend, just spending what we're doing and making a process more buyer-centric and more efficient. Um, and so putting in place the instructions about how do we optimize the homepage? How do we optimize the button? How do we optimize the conversion flow, the actual page? And then how do we think about the follow-up process and the prioritization of once that person fills out the form, how do we optimize the amount of people that are qualified to actually get into a meeting and think about it as pro a process optimization exercise? I'm going to put together those recommendations. And what do you know, in 90 days, a company increases their, the pipeline that they get through their website by $4 million, 132%. Um, and that's, it feels like a simple change. And what I've seen in spending my time in a lot of these analyses is that the most impactful recommendations are simple. They are obvious. Um, it's just about execute. It's about identifying it, focusing on it and executing it properly and then monitoring the progress. And so while people start to reach about like, how are we going to use AI and how are we going to do these things? Like millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars of opportunity are sitting right in front of them. And I just encourage people to take advantage of those quick wins and then think about the other extensions after that. I love it. Um, last question here, and then, and then we'll, we'll get you on your way. We, we talked about past 10 years, things that have changed. If you just look forward the next few years, five, 10 years, however long, what, you know, we, you may not even be big into predictions. That's, that's all right, too. Um, what hopes do you have for how things might improve across GTM? And, and then if, if you want to touch on demand gen, too, but. Just next, hmm. next few years, what are your hopes? What would be like the perfect? Yeah, this isn't, like? it's not, I appreciate the, the reframe. It's not really like a prediction. It's a hope. Um, I hope as B2B companies and as go to market leaders and practitioners that we can find a way to be a lot more customer centric, that we can find a way to be able to get a ton of insights from our prospective customers, to be able to package that and analyze them both qualitative and quantitative. And then take those in as a core meaningful input to how we think about our go-to-market strategy. I think companies are so in the automated collected data attribution, what's happening in Salesforce and that type of stuff, which I believe in totally. I believe in doing those things, but I feel like we'll just be better as a profession. And it's served me in my career for the past 10 years of trying to figure out what is really important to my target customer. And then how am I able to re-architect my strategy and process to give them exactly what, what they want while also getting the things that I want? And it just is a, it's a way better relationship with the customer. It's a way more efficient business. Um, it's a way more effective business. It's a differentiator at this point as we get to product parity and things like that. I just think there's a ton of benefits. So that's like my, my core hope over the next five years. And I think that there'll be some type of vendors, some companies are working on this or a way to access their target customers and collect those insights on an ongoing basis automatically and then process those insights in some type of automated way and present the, present the findings that we can then make decisions off of. I think that is uh, a core hope of mine. Um, it's not really a hope, but I think it's undeniable that in the next five to 10 years, AI is going to have a massive impact on go-to-market. I'm already hearing about uh, companies that are running a, an experiments, having an AI bot run their outbound strategy and having more success than they do with their 15 or 20 person SDR team for, z for basically zero cost, just running, you know, uh, running queries to open AI based on what people are saying and responding back in emails. And you have consistent messaging, you have a predictable thing, you can train it on your own business. There's a lot of benefits. And so um, I think there's going to be massive disruption, uh, particularly in low efficiency or low productivity headcount. 
um, I think will be a big one. I think that there's a, a will definitely impact data analytics, although uh, my current belief, which could change, but my current belief is that companies do not have the appropriate data to have AI run in their data and make good decisions or find good insights about it. The data is incomplete, inaccurate, not structured the right way. You can't train it to look at it. I think it's going to come up with a lot of messy, ineffective conclusions right now. I think when companies are able to really put some standardization and a real data model around their CRM and performance data, that uh, AI having an impact on looking at that data and finding patterns and trends um, in a much more effective way than having a you know director of uh, RevOps try to look through the data or serve a report or come up with their conclusion. I think that we will see that happen in the next five to 10 years, but I don't think that we're there yet. Um, and I think there's just a, a continued undeniable impact that's happening um, in what we call dark social channels. Uh, you got own channels, you have like your, uh, you got your LinkedIn page, you have your YouTube channel, you have the, the podcast that you run, but also um, think about like all the access that people have to their peers. So text messages, communities, LinkedIn DMs, going to a private event that I'll host in a couple of hours where a hundred marketers will show up and we'll talk about marketing and problems that I'm seeing in marketing that will, could influence how they, how they approach their next meeting or what they say to a colleague or what they share with them. Um, I think there's just an undeniable continued momentum that way. And just not enough, not enough companies really leaning into it yet aggressively. And it's crazy because the ones that you see do tend to be highly effective companies. Um, and so I think we'll continue to see a movement in terms of that uh, as well. Yeah, I mean, so so much to dive in there that we could go for for hours on that stuff. I, I appreciate your time today. Um, as we wrap up here, probably best to find um, Chris on LinkedIn, but let me know if there's anywhere else where you want people to, to reach out or, or anywhere else, you know, they can find you. Yeah, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, Chris Walker 171. You can shoot me a DM there and let me know what you thought about the episode as well. And then the B2B Revenue Vitals podcast is available on all spot, uh, all podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, and all the other ones. So feel free to check it out there. I've also been sharing content on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube in a more experimental way. And so if you're interested in just observing sort of the tests and things that I'm running to learn more on those channels, then feel free to follow me there as well.